thanks to his grace, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer through him that loved me. Somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. Hallelujah. He changed me. He saved me. He set me free. He delivered me. Hallelujah. I'm a changed individual. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One more time, let's clap our hands on the Lord. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classes. Hallelujah. Everyone else. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse number 5. Amen. It's good to see everyone in the house, Lord. It's good to see Ray back in the house of God. Hallelujah. Good to see you. It's also good to have the Coder family with us and all of our other guests and visitors. We welcome you in the, into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 5. Amen. I love what I feel in the house of God here today. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is in his journey, is coming to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee, I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. He's asking a lot of rhetorical questions. Would you give something opposite of what is being asked for? And, of course, he's using such extreme examples. If he asks for an omelet, you don't give him a scorpion. And he says, if us as, as individuals, being evil in our nature, still give good gifts to our children, he said, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost to them that ask him? And, uh, and I want to skip back up in that verse because we're going to get to that part but the Bible says that which of you have a friend shall go to midnight and say friend lend me three loaves and then he goes down and he says because he is his friend or though he will not rise to give him because he is his friend yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needs and I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject 
annoying God. Annoying God. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's pray all across this house. Hallelujah. There are people in this building. You've got needs. You've got requests. I want you to lift up some of those right now before the Lord. There's some things that you've been asking God for, praying about. I want you to lift that up right now for a few moments. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and pray. We're going to go to that level of extreme that we will ask and it shall be given. Seek and it sh we shall find it. And we will knock and it shall be open unto us. Somebody lift up your hands and your heart and say, God, amen, I want, to, I want to get what I'm asking for. I want to see what I've been looking for. I want it to open up to me what I've been knocking on. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's annoy God. And you may be seated. Before we can get into this parable that Jesus is uh, presenting before us here today, uh, we've got to look at the fact that the way that Jesus got to this parable was quite unique. Uh, often Jesus was the one that was proactive when it came to teaching parables. Uh, he looked out on the crowd and, and he saw that they... Uh, were hungry, and he began to tell them about a parable uh, about about you know the, the 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 sower and the seed, and he would break down some things. He saw a whole multitude, and he would look on the crowd, and he would say something in a way that they would uh, be able to understand. And, and he was hoping that this message or this parable um, he, it would go beyond just that moment in time. Uh, he would tell uh, a parable about lost sheep. And he'd be talking to people that understand what it is to be a shepherd. He'd talk about a lost coin, and he would talk about a woman would sweep her house until she found that coin. And what Jesus was intending on doing is, is presenting a story that was, that was so commonplace, but yet had a deeper meaning. So people would talk about it, people would think about it everywhere they go. It, I'm sure that after Jesus talked about a woman sweeping the floor, that every woman that was in that crowd that went home to sweep their floor began to think about the kingdom of God. And it's, it's like a coin that was lost in the house. And, and, and Jesus would do all these things. But, but to draw those crowds before he could teach them, he would often perform miracles and do all sorts of signs and wonders, whether it be uh, healing a leper, touching somebody who has blinded eyes, somebody that's deaf. And uh, it would draw a crowd. People would come because they wanted to see the next miracle. Uh, and his disciples followed him, and they got to see miracles. They got to see signs and wonders. They got to hear every parable and teaching that Jesus did. But as we come into our text before Jesus is giving another parable, it is prompted by a request from his disciples. The Bible says that they. it came to pass that when Jesus was praying, that one of his disciples said unto them, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, Jesus was a lot of things. He was a miracle worker. Jesus was a master teacher and preacher. And I'm sure uh, that there's a lot of other things that Jesus did that we would ask the question, Lord, I'm sure that if we wanted to do it today, we'd say, Lord, teach us to perform miracles. How many would like to be taught how to perform a miracle? 
Lord, teach me how to raise the dead. I'd shut down all the mortuaries, and I'd empty out. Lord, teach me how to heal the sick. And we'd empty out every hospital. And, and we'd like to be taught all of those things, and, and uh, it would be, I think, in some ways it could be advantageous, but I know there's a lot of people that would abuse that power uh, if it didn't take faith and it just took some technique. But, uh, but they didn't ask for Jesus to teach them how to perform a miracle. And then they could have asked Jesus because they knew that we're disciples and he sent us out to teach and preach and, and talk about the kingdom of God. And I could tell you as a preacher that I would sure love to have a one-on-one -on -one session with Jesus where he teaches me how to preach. Now, I'm sure everybody in the church would like if I had a one-on-one -on -one session with Jesus to learn how to preach. But it would be awesome to have somebody that was the master teacher. He was not just one who preached the word. He was the word. And to be able to have that kind of access to the one that, that wasn't just the one that had the word memorized, but he was the very word. He could tell you the very meaning and the depth of every scripture, and he could break it down to the very basic meaning, and he could build it back up and build this great story, and crowds would follow. I think I would love to have Jesus teach me how to teach and teach me how to preach. But they didn't ask that. There was something in the way that Jesus prayed. There was something they never asked him to, to learn how to do a miracle, not one time. They never asked Jesus one time, Lord, teach us how to teach or preach. Lord, teach us to do what you do. They never even said, Lord, teach us to have your character. You have, you have, you have no sin in you. You've never failed. You've never sinned. Never, never, ever, uh, never got mad when somebody cut you off in traffic, Jesus. I, I think I'd like Jesus to teach me about his character. But there was something that happened when Jesus prayed. There was something that transpired in Jesus' prayer. Jesus was one that when he went, uh, went and performed miracles before he ever got to that miracle, the Bible says that he would depart into a solitary place and he would pray. Before Jesus was crucified, his last and final lesson, amen, to his disciples, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he went a little further and said, watch with me while I pray. Uh, he was still trying to answer this request uh, that they, they requested all the way back in Luke 11. Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, I'm telling you, if there's ever one thing uh, that the church has got to learn uh, in this hour and in this time, uh, we don't need to learn how to be a man trick. We don't need to learn how to do more programs. We, what we need to learn is we need God to come down and teach us how to pray. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your voice and do that for just a moment. Man, we've got to get to that place because I'll tell you, miracles stem from prayer. Things begin to transform when we pray. You don't have to be the greatest preacher or teacher, but if you can hit your knees and pray, something will transpire in that message that will forever change the listener. You can study, 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 and nothing change, but you can hit your knees and pray and say three words, and all of a sudden the fire falls from heaven, and people will forever be changed. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got to get to the place where we say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And you better believe that whether we ask it or not, God's going to teach us how to pray. 
Amen. You better believe that whether you are requesting it or not, God's going to give you an opportunity to pray. Uh, some people say, well, God, uh, why am I going through so much trouble? Why are there so many trials in my life? Uh, let me give you one quick answer. God is giving you an opportunity uh, to learn how to pray. You ever notice when you get saved? Maybe I'm just, I'm just talking to myself, but when I first got saved, all of a sudden, it, I thought everything was going to get better, and things just seemed to get worse. It wasn't that all heaven opened up over me. All hell opened up underneath me, and it seemed like my life was crumbling and falling, and I didn't understand why, but I just lived for God a little while, and I understood uh, that God was teaching me how to fly. Uh, God was teaching me how to soar in prayer you got to thank God for every trial that got you on your knees. You better thank God for every trouble and every hard time, every bill that was running late that got you on your knees to pray because God was teaching you an invaluable lesson. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. He said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus proceeded to go ahead and do his best to uh, give them a format of prayer, a system, if you will. Many, many of those that were raised around even uh, different church settings have probably heard, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've heard that prayer. We've probably read that prayer in Matthew 6, Luke 11. You go down the list, and we have looked at that prayer, and many different religions have decided to make that a liturgy where you will pray that as word for word. But I want to tell you, it wasn't a prayer to be repeated. Jesus said, after this manner or in this likeness, you got to pray. And so what Jesus was doing was he was giving them a format, not saying, repeat after me. Uh, I think it'd be fine if you wanted to pray that prayer every day and repeat it, but that's not really what Jesus was doing. He was saying, uh, I'm going to act as if you don't even know what prayer is. I'm going to teach you about prayer in such a way that you, will, you don't even have to have a religious background, uh, but you can take this format and you can insert it in your life and you can begin to pray. He started off by saying, All right, Father, which art in heaven. And I don't want to go too deep into this here today. We'll do that at another time. But our Father, which art in heaven, he wanted us as humans to understand, to have a revelation of our relationship with God. You've you, you got to understand that when you come to pray, you're not a peasant going before just a king. You are not some... some, some homeless individual trying to break into the White House. No, you are a child of God. There is a relationship. It would change the way a lot of us pray if we had a revelation of relationship that every time I hit my knees, I'm talking to my Father, which is in heaven. It would change a lot of our methods, and Jesus wanted them to understand this is not going to be a man, a a. a a plea before a judge. You're not, you're not guilty. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's not guilty until proven innocent. You're not walking in there saying, man, all of the things are stacked against me, and i got to go before God, and i got to beg for my life. Uh, it, it wasn't our judge which art in heaven. There's a lot of people that think God's a judge. 
Amen. And God is just and God is a judge, but the Bible also says we have an advocate or a lawyer with the Father. Can I help you? Amen. He's the judge, but he's also your defending attorney. And guess what? When he died on that cross, uh, he was also, amen, the evidence for your acquittal that they're not guilty by the blood. You don't have to go before God as somebody who's guilty. You can stand before God knowing he's forgiven me. I am blessed. I am his child. Oh, somebody praise him. Lift up your hands and magnify him for just a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, give us a revelation of relationship. Hallelujah. There is a balance here, though. It's our Father which art in heaven. And I'm going to help somebody here today because there's a lot of people that had a deadbeat father and uh, an abusive father. I come from that kind of background. So when somebody told me, uh, God's your father, it really, it really made me a little bit nervous. And I thought that God was that, that being up in heaven with a lightning bolt looking for every reason, every mistake that I would do to strike me with that. But it's not your father which is on earth. You can't view God through the lens of what you've been through, but it's our Father which art in heaven. He's higher above us. His position is not, amen, like earthly people. It's not like the flawed humanity, but he is a God that is above all, through all, and in you all. There, he's saying our Father which art in heaven. There's got to be a balance because he is our Father, but he is also our Father in heaven. There is a lordship there. When we come before him, we can come with the boldness of a little child that he is our father. But we can also have the understanding that he's got authority over all of heaven and all of earth. Amen. He said, hallowed be your name. In other words, the next phase of prayer is where we go into worship. I'm helping somebody because when you come before God as a judge, the next step is, oh God, forgive me. But that's not what Jesus was saying. You don't come before your father, amen, and throw yourself at his feet saying go forgive me I'm a slug of a sinner no you don't start off talking about you because prayer isn't a moment where you just talk about you it's a conversation with him and 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 in that place we've got to enter a stage of worship if we want our prayers to be answered if we want God to hear us from heaven we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and understand we're talking to the God of heaven and earth hallowed be your name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done before we ever start talking about our will. And I know a lot of people, they come before God, they want to pray about their will. Oh, God, I want $10 billion in my bank account tomorrow, if it be your will. <laughs> I will, but if it's your will. You know, we've got to, we've got to allow ourselves that understanding that we've, we've got to be okay with whatever God wills. You know, there's some things that just aren't God's will, and we've got to be okay with that. That's why when Jesus is saying, when you start out your prayer, you got to start out acknowledging God's will, God's sovereignty. God, I want your will to be done. I want your will before I start imposing my will upon you. I want to understand that whatever I'm thinking about right now, just like you are a father in heaven, you are above me. You see what I'm going through. You see what I'm experiencing and encountering. And I might have a certain lens and a certain perspective that thinks I need this, but you're the father which is in heaven that understands I really need that. Come on, somebody. 
Have you ever been there where you wanted God to answer and do a specific thing? I need you to do this specific thing. And if you'd have ever got God to do that specific thing, you might have left God. You might have, you might have all of a sudden not needed him anymore. There's a lot of things that God says, no, I understand that's nothing more than a roadblock, a stumbling stone. It's going to cause you to fall, and it's not going to help you. So as a good father in heaven, I'm going to actually redirect you and let you know that this is my will over here, not over there. I'm going to help you readjust. Just your mindset. Amen. Can I tell you, we've got to pray every day, God, I want your will to be done in my life. I want your kingdom to come. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. He then begins to break down into the daily bread. This is when we begin to bring before God our needs. The Bible would say that your heavenly father already knows the things that you have need of before you ask. But that doesn't mean you don't ask. And I help somebody, well, if God already knows, I'm not going to talk about it. It's not about that. It's having a conversation with God. You already know what I'm struggling with. You already know what I have need of. But you're my Father which is in heaven. And if I have ever had anybody that could help me, it's you. If there's ever been somebody that can change what I'm going through, it's you. Anybody ever had a need that God has supplied? Anybody ever had a request that God said, I'll take care of it? Anybody ever had a bill that you couldn't pay, but you went before God and said, God, you got to help me, and God provided it? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he jumps in to forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are indebted to us. As I mentioned before, we don't lead off with forgiveness or begging for forgiveness. That's not the, that's not the system that Jesus is giving. But he is saying that we have... We get through all of this and then we come to the place where we begin to ask God to forgive us because maybe there's some things, uh, amen, that I'm not, I'm not seeing his will, his will correctly because uh, I have other things in my life that I have allowed in that are not the will of God. God, I need you to forgive me of this, that, and the other. But you can't ever ask God for forgiveness uh, without understanding that forgiveness is a two-way street. You've got to ask God for forgiveness, uh, but you also got to be willing to forgive amen hallelujah preaching real good right there you can't just come to church on Sunday and say God forgive me and then turn around and hurt your brother hurt your neighbor amen or they hurt you and you don't forgive them Forgiveness goes both ways. You get forgiveness, but honey, you got to give forgiveness too. If God's ever forgiven you of anything, and he has for everybody in this building, we've got to be those that say, don't worry, I forgive you. Let me just step out here for a moment. This is why a lot of people's prayers are hindered. Because they've received forgiveness, but they've never given forgiveness. You know, the very people you're bitter against and offended against, they've done moved on. They haven't thought about you one time since they offended you. But every day you get up and you want to pray, but you keep thinking about everything they did. Hey, I want to tell you, you got to get to the place where you say, God, uh, I need you to forgive me, but also help me to have forgiveness on others uh, that have done me wrong. Oh, I'm preaching real good. Hallelujah. In fact, let me just take it a step further because I, I just feel something, a little check for somebody. That, that, that forgiveness is the very thing that is hindering your prayers from being answered. That you won't forgive somebody else. Jesus was asked a question by his disciples. How many times do we forgive our brother in a day if they forgive us? Just 70 times. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. 70 times 7. Amen. It's not a numerical amount. But he says, for the same offense, you keep on forgiving 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 
And you know what the disciples said? Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of faith to forgive people. Mm, I'm going to help somebody. Lift up your hands and let's pray for just a moment. Come on, it takes a lot of faith to forgive those in your past that have hurt you. Amen. To forgive an forgive a father or a mother to forgive a brother or a sister forgiving amen a, a, an ex-spouse or, or another another situation in your life somebody pray right now God wants to help you but every time you go to pray you get locked up right here God's going to help you break through that because God wants to answer your prayers God wants to get through to this level hallelujah but then he goes on lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil Prayer is a place of forgiveness. Prayer is a place of, of asking God for needs. Prayer is a, 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 a time when we can ask for God's will to be done. Prayer is a time where we can worship God. Prayer is where we can go deeper in our relationship with God. Uh, but this next level, he's saying, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. This next final place and, uh, of prayer is where we get guidance and protection uh, for those that are going, God, I don't know what the next step of life is. Can I encourage you to hit your knees and pray? God, I don't know what's going to happen. You're worried about this and worried about that. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this and make it through that. Can I encourage you to hit your knees and pray? And when you pray, you will find God's guidance. God will begin to lead you. But not only that, you can be coming up against some hard times. And you can find God's hand of protection. You can... Come on, has anybody ever prayed, uh, amen, to the place where you didn't know where you were going, uh, you didn't know what you were going to do, but you hit your knees and prayed, and God showed up and gave you direction? That's what prayer can do. Come on, that's what prayer can do. Finally, he says, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You end with worship and trust that God has everything under control. Somebody said amen. But right after this, he begins to give an example of what prayer looks like to Jesus. What does this prayer look like to Jesus? What does this system look like to Jesus? Because God was not giving a, a, a traditional type of prayer so we could repeat it. That's not what he was doing. Uh, and, and too often we can then get into what I just taught. We can almost get into that system. Amen. And we could get to a tradition. There's people that got a tradition of prayer. It's all right. It's a good tradition. But, but they can almost get into the, the just lulled to sleep by that tradition. And Jesus is saying, I've given you the system. I've given you the format. Now let me give you an example of what this looks like in heaven. Anybody ever had an annoying friend? You might be the annoying friend. Jesus began to tell a parable about the annoying friend that came at midnight and began to bang on the door and said, please open up and give me some bread. I want to just set this and help, hopefully help somebody here today. Uh, if you want to know what this kind of prayer that Jesus was talking about looks like, uh, amen, it's this man coming before a door, uh, and it begins to knock, and then he begins to, amen, he's looking for something. He's looking for bread. He begins to seek, uh, and he begins to knock, uh, and then he begins to make a request. Uh, I need some bread, uh, but you got to understand about this time, uh, it was dark out. Uh, it was late. 
gate. He was asking for bread, but get this. It wasn't even bread for himself. It was bread for somebody else. He was passionately banging on the door and pleading for bread for somebody else. Somebody else that inconvenienced him and showed up without much notice. I want you to imagine if you were the person in that house. Imagine the response from this, this person that has that annoying friend. He just got his kids to sleep. Can I preach to some parents? Finally got him to go to bed. You know it's like a hostage situation trying to get your kid to go to bed. You give them anything. I, I, just, I just know enough parents that they'll give their kid anything. Please just go to bed and stay in there. He finally bribed them and did whatever. I'll give you candy and cookies. Just go to sleep. Finally got those kids to go to bed. And then they got up. I need a drink of water. I need a glass of milk. After five, six hours of trying to get this little rat to go to bed and about ready to give him a NyQuil shake, they finally get the kid to pass out and go to sleep. Come on, some parents. Brother Deathridge, Sister Deathridge, give me an amen. Hallelujah. Finally got him to sleep. And right at midnight, trying to sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee with his wife, just trying to have a good night. Finally, the kids are gone. And then somebody's banging at the door. To the door and opens the door. What? Hey, Jimmy, I need some bread. Shh. You gotta calm down. My kids are finally asleep. Yeah, yeah, anyways, as I was saying, I need some bread. We all know that person is too loud. I am that person most of the time, but I need some bread because somebody's come on a long journey and I don't have anything to set before him. You could imagine this person's thinking in their head. They're almost twitching and ready to, maybe they answer the door with their gun and they're thinking about using it because it's midnight and it's late and you're banging on the door, but they don't want to wake up the kids, so they're not going to shoot anybody tonight. But they, they think about it and they go, leave me alone. Your lack of preparation does not constitute as my emergency. You didn't prepare for the person that's coming. And that's not my emergency. It's midnight. It's not the right time. It's a dark time. It's a cold time. It's a late time. I need you to go away. And this person's thinking, uh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Uh, I know it's a dark time. I know it's a cold time. I, I know it's not an opportune time. But I, I really need bread. And I don't need bread tomorrow. I don't need bread next week. Uh, I need bread. Uh, and I need bread right now. And the Bible says... It was because he had the spirit or the ideology of importunity. Importunity is a word we don't even use in English anymore. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible that it's mentioned. Importunity literally means a plea or request that is so persistent, audacious, and demanding that it becomes annoying. The Greek word implies that there is an element of rude insistence rising to the point of shamelessness. You ever met a shameless individual? They'll, they'll come and ask for your last glass of milk. They'll come by. They don't care if it's your last piece of bread. 
They don't ask you for the gas that they can siphon from your car. They don't, there's just this element of shamelessness. They borrowed money from you last week, didn't pay it back, and they show up and they're like, hey, can I borrow some more money? There's almost this audacity, this shamelessness. There, there's, there's, there's this moment where, where it's like the kid that is always begging for you to do something and, and that teenager is saying, please, 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 uh, take me to the mall or please buy me this Xbox or please, and they don't let up, they don't quit, uh, and, and, and finally, that individual, that parent, finally says, yes, I'll buy you the candy as we're checking out. I think they ought to change that at the grocery stores. This annoying friend came by with a spirit of importunity. He got to the place where he was not worried about how he would seem to his friend. He had a need. He had a request. And he was going to get that request answered regardless of the conditions surrounding. We're talking about prayer here today. Can I help you? You can't wait for an opportunity. You can't wait for the right time. Honey, you got to get up and have this moment where you pray and you press to the point where you're persistent. You're audacious and it even gets annoying to God himself if it were possible. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Come on, I come to help somebody. We're going to get to the next level of prayer where we go so in-depth, where we're praying so hard. We're praying with such fervor and passion that if it were possible, we would anoint God himself because our need and our request is too important to be ignored. It doesn't matter if it's nighttime, if it's a cold time, if it's a hard time. I'm going to knock on that door until God answers. The Bible says that this man's request was not answered based on his friendship. Can I help you here today? We talked about relationship, and that's important to have a view of relationship. But Jesus is saying, I know I just taught you that, but let me explain something to you. That I'm not just going to answer your prayers based on your relationship with me. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't answered based on the convenience of the time. Well, great. The bread just came out of the oven. It's a great time. I've actually got a few extra loaves. No, it was not a convenient time. He was not one that was waiting on the perfect opportunity. This man had the spirit of importunity. He was not looking for opportunity. He was making one. There is a difference between the person that prays when they have the opportunity to pray and the person that says, I'll pray and I'll make an opportunity where God's going to hear me. Can I help you? You can't wait for a good time to hit your knees and pray. You can't always wait until Sunday afternoon at church. You got to hit it on Monday night at midnight. Hit your knees and begin to pray and say, Lord, I need you now, and I can't wait till Wednesday. Somebody praise him. It was not his relationship. It was not the right time. It was not any other reason. He did not quit until he got his request answered. And the Bible says it was because of his rude, shameless, audacious persistence. And he was answered because of this importunity. He annoyed the man of the house. And the Bible says this. Y'all ready? Let me tell you what prayer can do. 
The Bible says, though, he would not give it to him because he was a friend. My kids are asleep. Everything's a bad time. But if it'll shut you up. Come on. Can I help you when you go to pray? You got to get in God's face to the point where God goes... If it'll just get you to pray about something else next week. If I could if I could just get you to start thinking about other things right now, I guess. And the Bible says that because of his importunity, he opens up the door and says, take as much as you need. Can I preach to somebody about importunity? When you got importunity, all of a sudden God doesn't just give you a little bit and somewhat. God gives you everything you need. Let's stand all across the building lift up our hands. I want somebody to go to that next level of prayer. Visit a friend. I want to encourage you to pray. You got needs. But if you'll lift up your voice and pray to the point of persistence and annoyance, God's going to say, whatever you need, take it. Lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Come on, church, what revival is waiting on the other side of importunity? What prayers are about to be answered on the other side of importunity? Come on, I know it that you you gotta you gotta let go of your of your shameness, your shamefacedness. You gotta say, God, I'm just gonna go before you shameless. I'm gonna go before you guilt-free, and I'm gonna stand in your presence, not worried about what everyone else is gonna think. I've got a need, I've got a request. I can only imagine what the neighborhood thought. It wasn't just his kids he was waking up. It was everybody's kids. Hey, I need some bread. Shh, please just go away. My kids are asleep. It's a bad time. Okay, thank you. Shuts the door. Hey, you didn't hear me the first time. Anybody ever felt like that with God? You didn't hear me on the first prayer? Listen. It's not a good time right now. Kids are asleep. Just please go away. Shut the door. Finally. You think he banged a little lighter? You think he asked a little quieter? No, at this point, the one that's the annoying friend starts getting annoyed uh, that his request is not being answered. And he bangs on that door even harder. Maybe he runs to the window of the kid's room. If I can't wake you up, I'll wake up your kids. I got to get some bread. And finally, the man opens up the door. It says, here's all the bread I've baked for the last month. What would happen? If we got that spirit on the inside of us. What prayers? Come on, I'm not talking about those little little tiny prayers. I'm talking about the audacious prayers. It says, I need all the bread you got, God. I need all the blessing. Does anybody desperate for God to move in their life to the point they don't care what the person next to them thinks? That's the kind of prayer that God answers. And Jesus says, guess what? To those that ask... That's what's going to be given. To those that seek, they're the ones that's going to find. And to those that knock, it shall be open. But it's not the person that just asked one time. He's, he's directly connecting this. You ask 
until it's given. Can I help somebody get the spirit of until? You don't seek. If you lost your $10 million watch in your house, you wouldn't seek until you got bored. Come on. If you are desperate enough to find it, you will keep on looking. You'll tip over every couch. You'll move every piece of furniture. You'll even pick up the dog and throw him out looking for whatever you're looking for until you find it. And you will knock. Well, the door's locked today. They don't really want to answer. They're not really interested in answering the door right now. I guess I'll just give up and quit. That's not the person that gets it open. It's the person with importunity. Hey, I need some bread. Come on. I'm preaching to ARC right now. Hey, we need revival. Hey, I need my mom saved. Hey, I need you to bless me because I'm tired of being broke. Hey, come on. I hope I get it into somebody. You don't stop until he answers. I'm done preaching. Lift up your hands. Come on, let's pray all across this building. I know that there are needs and there are requests in this building. You might be visiting with us, but I've come to encourage you. He said that I'll give the Holy Ghost to those that ask. If you don't even have his spirit on the inside, I want to encourage you. Ask him. He'll give it. Seek. You'll find it. Knock, and he'll open it up to you. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Would you make your way down to the front and begin to pray? I'm not talking about a systematic prayer only. I'm talking about an audacious prayer. I'm talking about, amen, a prayer of importunity. I'm talking about a shameless prayer. I'm talking about, amen, the kind of prayer that's persistent to the point of annoyance. God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to knock on heaven's door until you hear me, until you answer, until you give me what I'm praying for. Come on. Come on. If you're praying for a lost loved one, well, I've been praying for 30 years, preacher. That's all right. You keep on praying for those kids. You keep on praying for those grandkids. You don't quit because you got tired. You pray until. Come on. Well, Pastor, it hasn't happened yet. Don't worry about it. You pray until it happens. Come on. Somebody lift up your voice and pray. I need some people to pray their way into heaven. Knock their way into heaven. Kick that door down if you have to. I've got a prayer request that is too important. Amen to wait. I've got a need that's too important then to wait. I've got to have an answer and I've got to have an answer now. Come on, let's turn this into an apostolic prayer meeting today. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that reaches heaven. The prayer that bangs on heaven's gates and says, open up. Ah. Uh-huh. 
Come on, church. You got to knock on heaven's door until he opens up. God, I've got needs. I've got requests. God, you got to open up to me. If you need deliverance, you ought to pray until you get that deliverance. If you need God to liberate you from some things, you've got to pray until God liberates you from some things. Come on, God answers prayers. God answers prayers. God answers prayers. 